Good evening, and welcome to We're Gonna Need a Bigger Show, episode 43. This feels weird. It is weird, because I'm doing the intro. 43, 33. Three. Yeah, there we go. Now we're better. Okay. So, today, we are with the, um, you can give me, if you guys have, like, official titles, you can give me those, but we're here with Corey and Keaton, uh, that have been working on a documentary called The Player Score. Uh, currently, that's up on Kickstarter, trying to raise some funds for that. Corey and Keaton, like, do you have official titles as as far as this goes? Um, well, t- we've been just calling ourselves the uh, the core team, but I mean, we're both producers. Uh, I'm the director; he's a co-director, and we also make up a whole host of other jobs. Um, this is also Corey. <laughs> yeah, you're you're wearing a lot of hats. I think. Yeah, both of us are. Uh, both of us are taking up a lot of. I guess pretty much all the responsibilities, I guess. So we could give ourselves all the titles if we wanted. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, all right. Well, we'll just kind of dive in with the questions and uh, see where it takes us. Um, let's talk about each of you individually. Talk about your um, kind of your history with VGM and, and where your interest started. Like, was it as a kid or is it something you got into as you were older or what? Uh, Keaton, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? Uh, sure, I'll, I'll take it. Um, okay. So, I mean, I've been, you know, like most people, I've been playing video games for my life, like, you know, since birth. Um, the first, I guess, like, video game music that really kind of impacted me, like, I'm sure there was a whole generation, was, you know, Pokemon. Um, and then growing up, I just kind of, like, it was always a background thing for me, and I was always like, video game music is really cool. And I never really realized it was a thing that people pursued outside of that scene, you know, outside of like, oh, this is just something, you know, I downloaded like the Halo soundtrack and that was kind of it. Um, <laughs> but there was, you know, my friend's band, uh, my friend Chuck is in a band like the Lonely Rolling Stars and they do like these huge, awesome video game covers. And that's when I was kind of turned on to the whole VGM scene, which was actually within the last few years. Cool. And Corey, uh, how, what's your history with it? Um, well, you know, it's a kind of a similar thing, you know. I think a lot of people kind of grow up hearing video game music and video games and kind of sticks with them, but at least for me, it wasn't it wasn't something that I really, like, latched onto, but it was something that was definitely present in my life, you know, playing games, you know. I can, I can think of, like, any number of N64 games that they're just, like, ingrained in your mind, but, um, but like Keaton said, it wasn't really until... We met our uh, our friend Chuck, who's in Lonely Rolling Stars, and he kind of showed that there was more to just, you know, it wasn't just, like, music that there's out there that people are, like, all about this stuff. And kind of at that point, upon meeting him, I was like, this could be, you know, this could be a documentary film because this is a group of people that is really cool and pursuing something really niche. But at the same time as it being niche, you know, I think a lot of people can identify with it, like how we could identify with just listening to video game music. And so, kind of a similar trajectory there of having it in my life, but not until meeting somebody in depth in the scene before, you know, we were really turned onto it. Cool. Well, that, that kind of ties into the next question of just like, why do you think that this subject deserves a documentary is is do you think it's it's just about cultural impact like do you guys want to talk about the composers themselves um kind of talk about that a little bit uh i mean that that's a big question um we basically want to capture or at least you know it was 
it was Corey's original, like he was the inception of, you know, this film. Um, but you know, we actually, Corey, you should, you should take that. Okay. Well, um, well, like it started off that it was kind of like, let's explore this kind of culture totally centering on video game music. Um, and kind of see where it goes and see, like, why are these people all about it? Why would bands pursue, you know, covering all this video game music and putting it out for free? And sort of as we go, we kind of realize we want to capture different perspectives on video game music. But, the, like you said, like with the composers. But I guess the underlying, like, connecting factor is that all these per- people have a personal relationship with the music, you know. There's people who cover the music, there's people who make the music originally, these composers, there's people who just listen to it, you know, people who put on video game rock shows, and people who curate video game radio stations, and and chiptune, and there's all these different perspectives, but all these people have a personal relationship with this music, and so that's kind of the core that we're exploring here, um, is that every time somebody kind of runs into video game music, they... Uh, at least as we've seen, most people develop a personal relationship with it. And whether or not that's like they've worked on it uh, for a long time or that they've developed a relationship with their fans because they created the music or if it they have a very personal reason for growing up with it. You know, that kind of human attachment to the music is really like what we're trying to explore here with the film. Gotcha. So... Um, I've got a couple of questions just kind of on the, the, the filmmaking aspect of it. Um, do do either of you or do both of you have a filmmaking background? I mean, undertaking a documentary is kind of a colossal feat in and of itself, and I was wondering if, if, uh, if you guys have a, a filmmaking background. Um, yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I went to school for it originally, like right out of high school. Okay. I went to school for it for about six months. And then I started getting jobs in the Seattle film industry as like a production assistant or, you know, whatever I could get on a film set. I started doing short films with some other students. They started getting jobs on actual films. And so I kind of went away from the school route and just did the work route. And I've, I mean, personally, I've worked on multiple, you know, feature films, TV shows, short films, commercials, you know, everything. And then, but I haven't really been on the creative like lead production side of it in a long time like i really want to be a director but it wasn't until you know Corey came to me with this film that i've been able to you know really really explore that to the full capacity yeah i'm going to i'm going to central washington university right now here in washington i'm in my senior year and i know me and keen have worked on uh, uh we worked on a film together and i I know we can both identify with the feeling I think a lot of people trying to get into the film industry have is, you know, we're kind of on that the opposite production side, like as like production assistants or, you know, kind of helping out with the preliminary, like outer edge stuff. And so this is kind of a big change uh, for us is, you know, we're tackling pretty much everything uh, ourselves with some with thankfully a lot of help that people have uh, volunteered to help us mm-hmm. out but you know the majority the core of it is really just us kind of throwing ourselves at this crazy film adventure um, it's even though we've worked on film sets and, and uh, you know done that kind of side of it we've never really been at the core heart of, uh, of making the film and being the, the being like the driving force so that's a big change for us in, I mean, this being kind of your first big production, um, 
what you know how much time has gone into the the pre-production aspect of it i mean because from the trailer it looks like there's been a lot of work done already i mean how much time did you spend even before the kickstarter um you know getting everything geared up and and planning for the for the documentary um we spent i mean like the the initial idea for this film had come around maybe like a little less than a year before we'd ever done anything about it and then maybe like six months ago was when i kind of had the idea like oh maybe we can actually like pursue this and the interesting thing was is when we decided to go to california and shoot all that footage that's in the trailer um we had no idea that we would be attempting to make a film of this scope um it was kind of we were just let's go to california california we'll get some clips maybe we'll we'll do a kickstarter but the response was so positive and we were getting such good content that we were like let's let's expand the scope here and see how far we can and take this project and thankfully it's been a really positive experience uh keaton you want to talk about uh kind of that and the california aspect of it yeah for sure um so i mean like Corey said a lot of the pre-production was you know kind of his thing contacting people before and he brought me on you know maybe a month before we headed down to uh california and we decided like the whole reason that you see all that stuff in the kickstarter and the whole reason that you know we decided to do that on our own is because we wanted to show you know that we could do this film we wanted to go down there and kind of give it as like a test to ourselves and we we're like you know if we can get this done then we can make this movie um and that's just you know we we have the resources we have the time we are like you know this is the point in our life Corey's going to school we had access to all this great equipment we had all these people lined up and we went down there and it was phenomenal and like we i think we tripled our interviews we <laughs> yeah yeah but when we i think that's the interesting part is that our our pre-production was kind of minimal because at the time we didn't think the film was going to be this big and then <laughs> and then and then we get down there you know we've I've, i set up maybe like six or seven interviews probably not thinking of getting all of them and we get down there and we're just getting interview after interview and then like we kind of austin winter he's like i'm free for an hour come down we're just we're driving straight to his uh his studio we're interviewing and we're just going back and forth and so it kind of just exploded of just the amount of content that we were getting and so sure, then awesome. it, we kind of just like got into this this sort of increasing like i don't know how to describe it just the the uh, the scope and the like uh the trajectory for the film immediately we realized that it was a lot larger than just you know what we were going to be gathering there in California yep so in, in talking about getting you know interviews with people and things like that i mean you said you booked just a few to begin with i mean what was that process like just you know, in it was, I mean, because for Cameron and I, anytime, I mean, anything with the podcast or any of the film projects we do, it's a lot of Twitter and it's a lot of trying to find people's personal Facebook information and just, yep. just asking people, you know, <laughs> hey, do you, do you have the time? I mean, was it similar situation for you guys? Basically being creeps. Yeah, we're, we, we can be exactly. Creeps. You kind of have to become a, a sleuth because it, people don't put their emails out there. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, Keaton, you want to talk about Basically. Yeah, yeah, we did a lot of that on, I guess, you know, on quote unquote set in California. Uh, we would just like, <laughs> if we had like a day, like downtime between interviews, we just set up like my laptop at a Starbucks and just go through and be like, who do we want? I had this email that like I had written out and it had worked and it was kind of like the initial burst was when we had uh, emailed Starbomb 
and we like we're huge fans of them and we never thought in a million years we could get them let alone have you know eager after be narrating this film but yeah, like it was kind of just let, let's just you know send this out you know I, I mean i forget who was it uh Somebody, somebody suggested that to us, and you're like, "I'll send it out." And I'm like, "I don't think it's gonna happen. They're not gonna. Yeah. They're not. They're gonna get interviewed. <laughs> yeah. Get interviewed by us. Sure." And so after that, you know, after that, responded positively, and we started like Facebook was like a weirdly huge resource, and like we had added like Manami Matsumai, which like led to a bunch of stuff. And so after that initial burst of like, "Oh wow, these people are accessible," you, I, we just sat down and sent out emails to everyone, made you know, made you made yourself sound professional, and be like, "We're part of a." film team and then just made it happen it was a lot of emails a lot of facebook and we're, we're still doing it a really surprising amount of facebook yeah because you'd think <laughs> right. facebook would be the like a, a non not really helpful right. resource because you can't get people's information but as it turns out people are always checking their facebooks and they're not always checking yeah. their emails <laughs> yeah exactly mm, yeah that's a good point that's that's something we've definitely learned as well um so in talking just kind of about going from you know that part of production into planning to do a kickstarter i mean as as independent filmmakers ourselves the idea of crowdfunding is horrifying <laughs> we've, we've done it once before and we keep toying with the idea of doing it for our next project i mean and even more horrifying is the idea of kickstarter the all or yeah. nothing yeah. platform mm. um i mean so can you talk a little bit about the decision making that went into that and just i mean and just over you know 15 days you guys have already done really great progress on yours um i mean can you talk just a little bit about what the highs and lows of that experience have been like yeah i mean starting off it was kind of just as soon as you mentioned crowdfunding you know everyone seems to have some like really great advice about like <laughs> you know <laughs> you know oh man sure. just go with indiegogo you basically get all your money and then oh go with kickstarter they look more professional and it seems it was like it was about like two months of nonstop just going back and forth on what I wanted to go with for the project, and ended up doing a lot of resources uh, of just like constant, you know, top ten things how to do your crowdfunding campaign. And when it comes down with it, you really just got to sit down with a calculator for like six hours straight to really figure it out. Um, and that sure. that kind of just like the budgeting part was the hardest part, and pretty much. Every single time I'd like come up, okay, we'll come up with this reward. And and I mean, Keaton talked about this a lot, you know, like, mm -hmm. oh, we want to offer this reward for a different price. Yeah. Oh, but we have to do this and this and this to make it like profitable. And like, oh, now this reward is crazy. If more people pick that, then we're screwed. So definitely lots of math. It's, it's kind of, it's like a bookshelf kind of thing where you're trying to shove this book into the bookshelf and it's already full. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to move all the other books. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's kind yeah. of, yeah. 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 I was just gonna say the Kickstarter was kind of always the uh, was always the plan from the beginning, and it was always like really horribly intimidating. And I mean, we worked. <laughs> sure. We've you know, luckily we worked really hard on these rewards. There were like days where I just like stay at Corey's house and be like, okay, well the T-shirts are gonna be this much or whatever. And we, you know, I think we've we've put together some really cool stuff. And luckily it's been going like the first day blew my mind. We I we did triple my highest dreams of the first day and so sure yeah, you um, talking about the crowdfunding being really scary we we had no idea that we would get this kind of good response we were like all right so the first day we'll get like 200 bucks and then we're gonna have to try really hard to get to a thousand but we can make it by halfway right you know? like like at least like i was kind of taking like the super pessimist route 
of just like, all right, we're not going to make the bear any much at all. So as soon as like the money came in on the first day, it was just like that it blew me away. So yeah. Is, is there a, now, I mean, I, you know, because as filmmakers, I mean, this is stuff you always have to think about. I mean, what's the, in the event that, that the, the campaign doesn't make, what, what is, is there a backup plan or do you just get kind of still just go full steam ahead with the resources that you have to get the film finished? Well, that's kind of like, that's kind of our, our plan because we're both at these points in our life where we had kind of more ability than... Uh, maybe some of our peers to kind of just throw ourselves at this thing full force, kind of like we did to make that that original trailer. I mean, it's kind of scary to think about that if if we don't make the funding, it's going to be just like, all right, how do we do this? But I know, you know, we're both dedicated to seeing this project through. So uh, there isn't a a a specific allocation of like resources or anything to set up the uh, like a backup plan. The scale will definitely be smaller. Then if we if we reach our goal, but we're still going, uh, we still plan on going to Magfest in January and finishing the film, uh, no matter what happens, sure. because you know we're just dedicated to seeing this project through. Sure. One thing that I read recently about crowdfunding is that it's like the longer, the longer your campaign is, the more you're going to, uh, I, the more. What's the word? Masochistic. You're <laughs> because the the first it was saying the first week and the last week are your most intense. Mm-hmm. You know, get, it's where you're gonna get most of your money. But I think you guys, I don't I don't want to call it luck necessarily because I believe in the project. But I think you guys aren't experiencing that. I'll check it. You know, every couple days, see how it's doing. Yeah. And it's it's always doing better. And I'm just I'm I'm really happy for you guys. So you know, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We were really, I mean, I personally was really surprised because, you know, after the first week, there is supposed to be that lull, and there kind of, there kind of was for like a second, like we were only raising like a couple hundred dollars a day, like while we were at PAX and really just kind of too busy to, uh, well, we say a couple hundred, but like, you know, that's in, in our scope of 3,000 in the first day. Like, that's still a, that's still <laughs> yeah, a ton. Yeah, right. It's still super good, but... Well, it's good to know that incredulity uh, translates over. Because you, you felt hours just okay. now. Um, but no, and then like even lately, like a few days ago, you know, it's it's quote unquote supposed to be the lull period, and we announced that we're going to V concert, and we've been invited down to Mexico. You know, very fortunately, and that whole thing happened. That blew up. That got us like fifteen hundred dollars in like a that day. Was crazy. And it's like you know, really it's cool. like what. What's going on? This is supposed to be the point where we're like not getting any money, and now we're almost halfway at two weeks. Right. Yep. I have a couple of questions just about any hurdles you've m- may have gotten, you may have uh, you know encountered so far. One of them is like when you tell this tell somebody about this project, like you know your parents or. Um, just somebody you're talking to who's not interested at all in the subject what's do you get a lot of like uh yeah sounds cool kind of responses or anything like that like do people do people think this is ever think this is too niche um i think that i think the main thing is sort of like you're telling someone about something that not only do they not know is out there you know community center out of video game music i I mean unless the chances that they do i know keaton you ran into somebody who was all about this just by happenstance but you know i think the main thing is 
it's not just convincing someone, you know, that this is cool. You have first have to clue them in that it even exists. So, <laughs> yeah. so sure. the first step is like, by the way, there's all these people that are all about video game music, and it's really cool. And then you know you have to go with like, and here's why it's awesome. So it's it's kind of <laughs> twofold there because it's niche, but. I, most people I've spoken to who either don't play video games or who would have never run into this, um, you know, after they see the trailer or after you kind of get, like, explained to them what's going on, um, they seem to come around and think, oh, you know, that's something that's cool, that's something I want to know about. But, you know, first you have to take that first step of, oh, by the way, this is out there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. And the other the other thing I'm curious about is whether being... You know, I know you guys have experience, but essentially it being like your first major project, have you run into any, any, I don't know what the word is here, like people, people, naysayers? Yeah, naysayers. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. Well, I mean, like any project that is putting itself on the internet, um, you know, is having <laughs> such a large web presence, uh, you're gonna... Have there been a lot of dicks on Reddit? That's, that's what I'm basically <laughs> oh, asking. Man. That is, that's I, a funny story, Keaton, you should tell them about that. I will tell that story. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you know, I've been trying to do the whole Reddit promotion thing, which they're already very wary about and don't like people promoting themselves. Um, mm -hmm. but there was, like, you know, it's just, you're gonna get, it's like YouTube comments, right? There are going to be people out there who are going to find something to hate about your project, no matter what, because they True. have, I don't know, they have nothing better to do, I guess. But there was like this guy yes. that was like, I posted it, and I think the Game Grumps subreddit, because I was advertising the fact of, you know, Ego Raptor. And then there was this guy who was like trying to quiz me on my VGM knowledge. And he's like, I bet you don't <laughs> even know what's your favorite Proto Men album and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude. He does know that Proto Man isn't video game music. Yeah, like super loose. Well, that, that's the kind of thing is like, there's actually, you could be the most knowledgeable person. And like, you know, like, like we've said, we're not, we're not the end all be all experts, which is why we're kind of diving into these different perspectives from the community. But even if you knew everything about it, there's kind of no way that you can protect yourself from that kind of internet criticism. Um, sure. Once. Once I think the website was kind of getting out there, um, you know, I have the submission forms for people to contact us, and I think like every three or so, it, they're they're mostly like, oh, this is a great project, you know, I'll tell people about it. Every once in a while, there'll be one, and it'll just say, you know, why don't you have this composer? <laughs> like we're like we're willfully ignoring the things that they uh -huh. love or something or or like yeah yeah uh or just sort of like criticizing the film was like you need more of this or you're not focusing enough on this or that and i think because it's video games you know that's something that's very dear and precious to a lot of people i mean that's the point of the film that is there's this big nostalgia factor and i think because video games are precious to people um that sometimes the reaction is there's making a movie about something i care about i need to like get in there and say something and um sure. thankfully at least everyone that has sent me you know skeptical or critical emails to me have all come around when i kind of explain where we're coming from you know it's like hey we're just pursuing this thing that we care about you know we're definitely not trying to make money off of the thing that you love you know uh, you know. <laughs> I was about to say that's what they're that's what are, people are suspicious of for sure. Yeah, it, and it's once they realize that you know you, you got us, you know, 
I, like I'm a student. We're both trying to. We're both, you know, spending all our money trying to make this happen. I think they kind of realize, you know, this is something that people, other people care about. Even these crazy filmmakers from out in, in Washington, and they they tend to come around. Like Keaton, the the that guy came around even in the even in the Reddit. The Reddit? No, post. there was, there were two Reddit guys. One Reddit guy came around and like kind of apologized and was like really nice and like I think he actually posted a link in a different subreddit about it later. But oh, there wow. was the other guy who was asking about the Proto Men that was like flaming us and clearly hadn't watched the trailer because he's like, yeah, well, where's Mega Ran and where's like, you know, all these people? <laughs> he's yeah, the trailer, where's like... all these people you clearly mentioned at the end of your trailer? And then like, <laughs> but it was cool because he got super downvoted and then other people were responding to him because he was like, why do you have a trailer? Why do you have a Kickstarter if you already have a trailer? And people were like. You know, it was it was nice because I didn't want to respond or feed him, but the community was like, "Dude, you're being an idiot." So there are people <laughs> like that, but every, you know, the majority of even people who have been criticizing us have been great. The response has been amazing. Yeah, I think when it comes down yeah. to it, you know, as much as you kind of you know you don't want to feed the trolls or whatever, but a, a lot of the people, even the people who have kind of criticized the film or think we're trying to like cash in on something. Even they kind of come around and see like, oh, this is really cool. You know, good luck to you guys. So we're really, I know right. we're both really happy about that kind of response. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I forget who was it? Was it the the megas we talked mm. to? And they they kind of mentioned the same thing that some people view you as like trying to cash in on the video oh, game yeah. thing. <laughs> there there isn't a cash in on, on the yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like yeah. all the money we're making, totally going right <laughs> into my pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, and here, here's you know, it's kind of our little subplot here that we may or may not end up editing out. But <laughs> the um, the the whole reason we got in touch in the first place was I was thinking about starting a similar project. In fact, I had like you know started the Twitter page and started like talking to people. Hey, would you support me if I did this? Um, I had done some research just to see, well, does it exist already? The in, in, As a completed thing, the answer was no. But then, of course, I found out later that you guys mm-hmm. were around. And then it wasn't but like a day later that I get I get an email from Corey, and I sent it to Mike because I've been t- I've been telling Mike about this project I would really want to do. I was, I was you know pumped about it and stuff, and I was like, I think I said this is the nicest cease and desist <laughs> I have ever seen in my life. We the thing was, it was titled. Long time of trying yeah. to like, how can we not be? You know, how do we not be just? We try not to be a holes to this guy. You know. <laughs> sure, sure. And and I had called mine score exclamation point. You know, because it, it doesn't get any simpler than that. It's not. I didn't. I hadn't like thought for days and like, oh, what's the perfect title? It was just one that people agreed. Oh yeah, that's fitting. And then I get the letter. And if you guys, if you really mold over it and we're trying to. Do it in the most non-diggish way possible. You deserve like an award, <laughs> a Hugo maybe. Uh, like it was, it was like I said, the nicest cease and desist I've ever heard of. And I think Mike, Mike would agree. Yeah, I mean, I complete. I read it over, and I was just like, well, you can't really argue with this at all. I mean, this is what it is. You know, I mean, it's up to you what you decide to do. But you know, I think we both agreed at that point that Cameron should reach out to you, and and maybe then was the time to to. To join forces, so to speak, and and kind of talk about the the greater good. Yeah, exactly. It's it's ultimately um, 
I think this is what I told you is that um, regardless of what happens, it's better to have you know a single great movie than than like a, a pretty good one and then another one that's pretty much the same thing and you know that, all that kind of stuff. Um, I think it was kind of it's interesting because you know when I first came up with this idea, you know I'd done, done a little bit of googling and I was like, there is nothing out there about this, yeah. this crowd of people there's not even one about you know composers or anything i think there was like a mm-hmm. there was a, i found a, a high school video project about a kid and he his band played video game music and they're like we like video game music and it was like two minutes or something but i think i think that was yeah. it um and uh then sort of around that time you know uh, uh found about about your project the score project and then later we found out about Beep, and then later it was like the Red Bull project. Mm-hmm. I found yeah. out it was a guy doing a, a documentary uh, on Magfest, and then he ended up starting to work for Magfest uh, as he worked on it. It's like, whoa, this is crazy! You know, all these these video projects kind of springing up. I think it was just like the time mm-hmm. in history that you know video game music finally kind of pinged with you know a l- little close to pop culture and the the creatives out there, you know, like us and and you and, and the people folks buying Beep kind of were at the time where it's like hey this is time for this kind of project to come out it's so funny that they're all kind of <laughs> coming out at the around the same yeah, year right. you know yeah it's like that it's like the I, I think there's a name for it mike might know but the the hollywood thing like the two volcano movies oh, in the yeah. same summer and the two asteroid movies in the same summer it's just like something in the mm-hmm. air um and, and but i think you guys have got it right in the in the sense that it it has had the right amount of time to like um, kind of simmer in the the kind of popular culture subconscious, I mm-hmm. guess, and and you know come to come to something that's a little more tangible. What with bands like you know again, I don't the Proto Men aren't a video game music cover band, but like stuff like that, you know, stuff that's kind of like video game music tribute. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, there, of course, there's a lot of people doing uh, artwork that's based on video games. And then, of course, all the VGM cover bands. I think it's, it's all just kind of, it's coming to a, you know, a pinnacle right yeah, now. Yeah, you kind of like, so we're, it's, we it's were like almost at that boiling point, you know. And then, you know, you've got like the video games orchestra has been touring for a while now. And then, yeah. uh, you know, you got, yeah, like, our video games live. And then I think the, the Pokemon Symphonic Revolutions concert was was recently and then so you kind of have these like things that you know now you're going to hear about video game music in you know your regular newspaper or something like that so i think that's kind of why like you're saying like that pinnacle or that boiling point and as much as it's kind of like like a really big surprise you know when you're like okay let's pursue this video project we think nobody else would ever do and then these things are coming out at the same time uh, at first, it's kind of like, oh boy, we know what. How do we do this now? Are we doing the same thing? But I think it's actually like, ended going to end up being like a really positive thing. Like, like you're saying, like now we're going to be working together, and uh, you know we've been doing trying to do some cross promotion with the folks behind uh, Beep. And when it comes down to it, you know everybody loves this stuff, and it definitely deserves the attention that it's getting. So we're all, I know we're really happy about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, all right. Um, Believe it or not, that was just one question that we spent like 20 minutes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, really good return on that one. Um, you talked a little bit about um, it's Ego Raptor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, talk a little bit about like what you see as your big catches. I know he's one of them. 
And then um, just talk about people who maybe a year ago, if you had told, if, you know, future self had come back to your past self and said, you're going to get this person to participate in your movie, like, yeah. who wouldn't you have believed? Oh, man. Um, I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Keen. Uh, so, wait, what? Because we have a really, really big one coming up, at least for me. Um, we haven't announced it yet. When is this podcast coming out? Um, probably within the next two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Corey, because, I mean, we're going to announce it tomorrow, right? Yeah. Okay. Good, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, definitely won't be out tomorrow. All right. I'll talk about it then. Um, okay. <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow we're interviewing Marty O'Donnell, who is the composer for the Halo series and Destiny. Nice. Um, wow. Wow. And for me personally, like I talked about earlier, how I think for the first question, I like downloaded the Halo soundtrack. The Halo soundtrack mm. was the first game music I paid attention to enough to actually purchase. Like I paid for it and I bought like I bought it and I listened to it and I it was a, it was a huge deal for me and it played a big part of, you know, my life in gaming from the ages of like 13 to now. Um and that's that's huge for me and I'm like probably the most nervous I've been about an interview for that guy cuz he's amazing. Um but you know, Starbomb Ego Raptor, we never expected to get these guys, let alone get them actually involved with the project. It's been so surreal, um, just like texting Ego Raptor to figure out things and, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got I, I kind of had a similar thing with uh, Austin Winery, because uh, like that was I remember playing Journey and just being just blown away by the music, and you know. I, he was one of those people that's just like he's not gonna respond. He's not gonna be able to do this. And then we we get there, and you know it's like, oh my goodness, I'm interviewing this person. I like you said, like my past self would have never believed. You know, when I was back on my on on the college campus, like drawing in in you know, Photoshop. Like okay, here's here, here's kind of what the poster might look like. You know, this crazy this idea. And it's like now we're here, Austin Wintery interviewing him. That that was kind of just, you know. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, I think interviewing Starbomb was uh, another really cool thing. Um, but I pretty, I'm now for both of us. But you know, for me, it was the craziest part was just hearing Keaton uh, talk on the phone with uh, with them, and he getting like, "Yeah, they'll they'll do the interview," and I'm just like jumping around the room, like, "Oh my goodness!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny you mentioned going back to Halo for a second. Um, of course, Mike and I are uh, a little bit older. I was born in 85. Mike was born in 87. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was a little bit older when Halo came out. But it, So I grew up on like chiptune and 16 yeah. kind of stuff. But I just remember when Halo came around, it was like, first of all, I, I think it was like the first time I ever got chills while playing the game. Yeah. Like because of the music. Um, of course, that main theme, the da 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 thing, and and especially when that plays during the um, the escape and the warthog yeah. at the end, I just it's, I mean, it's hard to put into words the effect that had on me, and it, it was just weird because there seems like there was a big gap between that game, you know, whenever it came out, it was like two th early two thousands, uh -huh. right, like two thousand one, mm -hmm. um, between that. And the music that had really affected me in like the early to mid '90s, um, but Halo is <laughs> Halo is such a big deal. So I'm really I'm really psyched to to hear that you guys um, have nailed something down. Yeah, that. yeah, it's so it, the music's just so iconic and so like un 
traditional like when we, we went to his panel at pax and he talked about how to record the like someone hit him up and they're like hey we need this game music for like something is starting and it was like the first thing he ever did on the halo project and they're like you know bungie was like we need you to do this and we want it to sound like this and he's like cool uh i have this idea let's get a bunch of like monks or you know people doing like monkish chants together and we'll record it tomorrow and he got on a plane and they recorded it and then it was the main halo like you know you turn on halo is the first thing you hear yeah. and it just instantly like became one of the most iconic you know game like press start menu things ever and man yeah, Halo's great. Yeah, I, I, f- I feel a little giddy just thinking <laughs> yeah. about it, honestly. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, so talking a little bit more about that and sort of the age difference between... You guys are both uh, 21, is that right? Yeah, well, I'm 21. Okay. I'm 20. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, I'm wondering if you guys have encountered any resistance or ever given much thought. Like, do you feel... Since you grew up in a time when chiptune was was essentially over, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like um, you have maybe a, a more objective uh, point of view on older uh, video game compositions? Like, how do you look at that kind of stuff? I think uh, I think um, an interesting part of it. I mean, we certainly haven't uh, had any op- opposition from it because I. I, I don't think people on the internet know how old we are. So, um, <laughs> okay, uh, but but I think it does. I think it is an interesting point because you know we're in a time where our peers are are liking this stuff either because it's retro or because it was handed down. But we didn't. We weren't. You know, we didn't. Uh, we didn't have the opportunity. Like, oh, this new game came out. The soundtrack's chiptune, and we you know play it. It's been something that's always been available. So. An interesting thing we talked about with uh, we interviewed a rival and he's he's mentioned about you know kind of like our generation is we sought out these sounds you know we weren't around when they were yeah. coming out but we sought them out and I think that does kind of provide a little bit of a different perspective because you know me and Keaton you know we can't really take for granted a, a soundtrack that somebody mentioned you know mm-hmm. or, or like oh they played uh, Maniac Mansion and they love the soundtrack you know we have to we'll go out we'll find that soundtrack you know, okay, who composed it? Say we get in contact with them. And so sort of not being, you know, growing up listening to this stuff, it's kind of, I think it does give us a little bit of a different perspective. And at least because we want to capture it to this whole scene to the truest that we can, I think, uh, I think it, I think it might be a little bit of an asset, uh, at least towards exploring something because we don't know. So we have to find out everything we can. Um, sure. Keenan, if you want to talk about that, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough because I, I talk about Halo, you know, and but, you know, I also talked about Pokemon, and it's you, I feel like our generation is right on the tail end of, like, saying they even listen to game soundtracks like that. But, like, growing up, Chip, you know, it Pokemon was coming out of, I was playing, you know, Pokemon Blue on an original fatty, not backlit Game Boy, and it was using the chip in the <laughs> Game Boy to make the sound. And it was like, you know, I thought that was really cool, and I sought out Pokemon remixes, you know, forever before I realized VGM was a thing. Um, That's a good point. I hadn't really thought about uh, the Game Boy. Yeah. Aspect, but that's totally true. <laughs> yeah, and, I, you know, I totally understand, though, because it's not like we grew up with the NES. Like, the first console I remember having was the N64, which still was, like, you know, not not really the main, you know, 
chiptune centric yeah. thing everyone getting, talks about. When you're getting into like sampling technology yeah. at, at that point, but I, I know, I'm. I mean, I'm sure we're not the only ones who grew up with you know either consoles that our parents were like, you gotta try this Atari Twenty Six Hundred, mm-hmm. you know, at a young age, you know, like I know, I I grew up playing N sixty four, but me and my sisters also played atari games and you know like my dad's like oh my favorite game is warlords you got to play this i remember turning this up as loud as i can so people would hear outside that i was playing video games you know (laughs) and so as much as it's something that we didn't directly grow up with because video games are something that are are so ingrained in culture now you do run into these classic consoles and these these classic sounds um even even at our age where you know we didn't have the opportunity in our teenage years to go out and buy a brand new, you know, NES. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I stalled out for a second. So yeah, I guess it. I guess right. it does kind of. Yeah. It does kind of provide an, an interesting perspective. I think if we didn't, if we didn't care so much about this, it 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 would be a. Uh, it might be an obstacle, but because we're, you know, we love this stuff so much. I think it kind of provides an asset because we have to kind of dive into, you know, what makes chiptune work? We can't just assume, oh, it came out of the chip, or or why did these compositions matter? Because they aren't directly, like, we, did, we didn't necessarily grow up playing them, so because of that, we kind of have to investigate and find out why people why people are drawn to these for different reasons. Because we are interviewing people from different generations, you know. Jake Kaufman has a different perspective than, you know, someone else. Or, or like Manami Matsume. When we interview mm-hmm. her, we interview Jake Kaufman, we're interviewing people who uh, were, are composing uh, game music at two completely different times. And um, sure. and I think, it, I think it does provide an interesting perspective on the whole for the project. Yeah. Yeah, and and when I was thinking about, well, what could this project be, you know, obviously before I had heard about player score and all that, um, one of my main thoughts was how ingrained is this with just pure nostalgia? Like, is the video game music great because I, you know, grew up, because I played it when I was six and now I'm hearing it now and it brings back memories? Or is it great because it's great? So the interesting thing to me about this is that you guys, um, you know, when you mentioned Maniac Mansion or something that you didn't have a chance to play as a kid, um, I think it gives you the opportunity to look at it in a way that, um, while I, you know, enjoy being, uh, you know, wallowing in nostalgia and, and like, really uh, revisiting a lot of stuff from my childhood, um, I think there's also a value to coming to it fresh. So, um, yeah, personally, I don't... I definitely don't see it as a hindrance. It's and it's like you said. I think it is more of an asset than anything because you're still you're still getting that point of view from older mm-hmm. people, like you know Jake Kaufman or some of the people that are in these bands or whatever. But then again, it's like the the filmmaker's perspective is uh, at least in some respect objective. Mm-hmm. So I, I respect that a lot. I think that's cool. Thanks for sure. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, um, we have talked quite a mm-hmm. bit, but. There's one thing we haven't done yet, and that is challenge oh boy. to a game. This game, uh, for lack of creativity, I'm calling VGM or BS. <laughs> um, what we're going to do is I'm going to... Um, actually, Mike, can you, I'm going to get Mike to tally up, because I'll okay. get you guys to answer separately. Okay. Um, 
but I've got several name titles of actual VGM uh, compositions and several that I just made up. Okay. So um, what we're going to do is uh, see if you guys can tell the difference. Um, I think we've got maybe 12 here. So we'll we'll see how this goes. This isn't this isn't like a uh, this. Is, I'm not being the Reddit guy right now. <laughs> I think this is genuinely interesting, and I didn't know most of these myself. Okay, okay, here we go. Um, first one under oh bo by the way, bonus points if it's real. Um, if you can name the game it's from, like bi <laughs> big bonus points. So uh, okay, first one under a naked sky. Oh man, um, I want to say. That's real. It sounds sounds real. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with real. Okay. Sorry, that is fake. Ah. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Here we go. Next one. Um, autumn of the spring. Okay. Uh. Yes. No. Yes. I say not real. I'm gonna go with real. Okay, that one is fake. Dang it. All right, here we go. <laughs> creepy, creeping dead. Um, I want to say it's real because that would be the third fake one in a row. It, it also doesn't. I'm gonna say fake, fake. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with real because I, I know of too many zombie games for that not to be the title of a song. <laughs> Okay, it is real. It's from Gears of War 3. Okay. Awesome. Okay, here we go. Um, next one. Huh? Exclamation point question mark. Oh my god. <laughs> that sounds so indie game. Like, I could readily believe that. Um, uh, I, I love this game, by the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna still say not real. I'm gonna keep up my straight. Okay. I'm gonna go with real. I'll just, I'll just be the believer. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a good thing because that one is real. It is from Chrono Trigger. Nice. <sighs> All right. Here we go. Here we go. Run to the fortress! Exclamation point. Oh my god. Real. I I'm guess. Gonna go with, I'm gonna go with fake. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. There are no fortresses in games. Corey, Corey's killing it. Sorry, oh Keaton. That God. one is fake. There's never been a fortress in any game ever, Keaton. <laughs> I know. How foolish. Um, just to pat my own back, they do sound pretty legit. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Here we go. Next, get off my plane. Ooh. Uh. That's that's just from Air Force One. <laughs> It, it is. Um, so that's why I'm going to say fake is because I don't think there was an Air Force One game. Or maybe there is, and I'm okay. totally wrong. Okay. Uh, I'll go with fake. Okay, that one is fake. Good job, guys. <laughs> All right, here we go. Lament for Private Jenkins. Oh. Oh, that sounds so familiar, but I'm going to sound like such an idiot for saying that if it's totally fake. <laughs> I'm going to say it's real. Okay. Um, Corey? Uh, I'll go with fake. It is real. Nice. It is from Halo. Nice. That's, oh, Jenkins. All right. Yeah, of course. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jenkins. Cool. All right, Jesus Island. Jesus Island? Jesus Island? 
Fake? It's weird, right? I want to go fake. Oh, sorry, was that Corey or Keaton? I think we both said fake. Yeah. Okay, both say fake. That is from We Love Katamari. Oh my goodness. Corey. It is real. How do you not know that? I, I tried to pick a, so a couple. Much. How do I not know that? Oh my god. <laughs> All right, guys, here we go. Typhoon Dance. By the way, the, the score right now is Keaton 3, Corey 4, so <gasps> the, the, the gap has been closed a little bit. Uh, I'll, say, I'll say real on Typhoon Dance. Uh, I'll go with fake. It is oh, fake. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, kill me now! Exclamation point. Oh. Uh, real, real. I don't know. I'll just do the opposite of Keaton. There's a go to fake. Okay, it's real. It's from Metal Gear Solid <gasps> Two. Nice. Yes. Good job. All right, we're near the end here. Um, brace for impact! Exclamation point. Oh my god. I'm gonna go with real. These are also, you did such a good job of picking generic ones. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I didn't want to do, you know, Simon's yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll, do, I'll do fake. I'll go, I'll go with Corey? real. Okay, that one is fake. Ah, nice. All right, we've got one last one. This the, is the tiebreaker, dude. Yeah, Y'all are both at five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The truth revealed. Oh. Oh, man. Christ. Um... Uh, uh, fake. I'll go with real. Cor it is real. <gasps> it is from Final Fantasy X. Oh, Magical. God. Oh man, Corey just squeaked by <laughs> a score of six. That was a really awesome game, guys. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was super fun. That was really good. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, this pretty much wraps it up. Um, we want to thank you so much for for taking your time out with us. This has been a blast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. And if you guys, if you would, uh, just uh, let people know how they can find you on Facebook and social media and Kickstarter and all that before we before we sign off. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, you can find us at our main website is theplayersscore.com, but you can also find us at facebook.com forward slash theplayersscore or at the player score on Twitter, the player score everywhere. Yeah, and we're on we're on Kickstarter. If you search for search for us, we have links on all our social media, and we're under the documentary section. Awesome. Well, Easy enough. Congratulations on the success so far, guys, and and we'll definitely spread the word, and we can't wait to see what happens. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on your show. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. All right. See you next time. This has been. We're going to need a bigger show. I have been Mike D. I'm Cameron B. Childs. That's it. Yeah. See y'all later. Bye-bye.